Thank you for listening to this teaching from Frequency. In order to keep this podcast and our other resources free, we rely on donations from people like you. Go to Frequency.org and click the Partner With Us button to find out more about our new Give What You Want partnership program. You'll get access to our latest e-courses, teaching series, e-books, live sessions, and so much more. Plus, join the growing community of Frequency Partners around the world. Thanks again for listening and enjoy our latest Frequency teaching. My wife and I, Katya, um, we are um, on um, in an incredible season of transition. We've just moved to the United States. This is our new home, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, we're based in California at the moment, but at the end of April, we'll be moving to Boston on the East Coast to plant a church. Um, and uh, some people have said to me, Boston is the graveyard of church plants. And I said, well, it sounds like it needs a living church. Um, and so we're going, we're going to go and plant a church, a community. Um, I'm calling it a holy experiment. Um, we're just going to go and see what God could possibly do with a crazy family uh, called the Adams family. Sounds familiar for Boston. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we'll see what God does. And so I will really cover your prayers um, as we get ready to move, uh, looking for homes, uh, we have got nothing organized because uh, we've come to realize that sometimes life means that you're a bit like Abraham, you're going without knowing. And we don't know a whole lot, but we've got to go. Um, and uh, just seeing God put things in place. Um, my wife uh, is at home looking after our two little children, Ezekiel and Evangeline. Ezekiel is four years old and Evangeline is two and a half I often tell people, um, before our kids came along, I would wake up and say, uh, good morning, Lord. Now that our kids have come along, I say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> um, and uh, but it's so much fun doing family um, on mission together. Um, but, you know, I want to share some things, and then we're going to flow prophetically at the end. I feel like I've actually got a bit of a prophetic word for this church. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I want to share um, uh, what God's been speaking to me about. And actually, this trip coming here has been quite prophetic because I, I was intending on speaking on what to do in delay uh, when you don't get the breakthrough. And uh, on our way here on Friday, we got severely delayed. Um, and I was like, I should have chosen a different message. Um, and our plane was grounded. And so we waited for about six hours in Los Angeles um, while we were uh, looking to, to get to Dallas. And I felt like it was an indicator of uh, just a confirmation of what God wanted to do with us um, tonight as, as I've come. So why don't you turn in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 21. It's the last gospel, um, and it's the last chapter of the last gospel. Um, John chapter 21. Don't you love Scripture? Well, some of you do. <laughs> John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. 
Just as day was breaking, I love that bit, it's a new day, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they said to him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went abroad and hauled in the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord, and Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The Gospel of John is possibly one of my most favorite Gospels, partly because it starts with the feast and it ends with the feast, and I like eating. Um, it is a gospel filled with incredible allegory. John the Revelator who wrote this was a, a kind of prophetic mystic. He was someone who just loved hanging out with Jesus. And he often uses these veiled terms about the one whom Jesus loved, which is a cheeky way of saying, I'm his favorite. And uh, I love that about John. He's not afraid to say that. And I, I often tell people I'm God's favorite. And for the record, so are you. And uh, the Gospel of John starts off um, in a very peculiar way in that John is writing to a Jewish audience and anyone who understands the uh, Torah would have understood that John was immediately borrowing imagery, borrowing allegory, borrowing examples from the Gospel, uh, from the Genesis encounter to help us understand who Jesus is. And so you'll see that the Gospel of John starts off in the very same way that the book of Genesis does. In the beginning was the word. And the whole point that John is wanting to make is that his gospel, his good news story, is a story of new beginnings. His good news story is the story of the new beginning that Jesus ushered in through his victory on the cross, through his resurrection, and through his ascension, and now his glorification as he's seated at the right hand of the Father. It is good news. Really good news. And the thing I love about the first miracle, you'll see that there are seven miracles in the Gospel of John, all connected to a, a picture of Old Testament allegory and Old Testament um, uh, examples, and John's wanting us to understand something just like the seven days of creation. You're seeing seven moments, seven breaking in of supernatural encounters, and the eighth day that, or the eighth miracle that we see is the miracle of Jesus' own resurrection. It's the day, it's the number of new beginnings. And I love that about the Gospel of John. I, I wish I had more time because I could go on forever using these allegories. But the, the thing that I love is that this Gospel starts off with the most unnecessary miracle in the Bible. It starts off with, 
with Jesus turning water into wine, and as somebody once said, the church has been trying to turn it back ever since. <laughs> the thing is that at this party, and, you know, I'm a person of color, and so when we do party, we don't do it like you white folk. We do it for a whole weekend. And we have as much food and as much drink as possible. I'm safe now, so we don't do that anymore. But we have proper parties. And if there isn't enough, we know that all the aunties and uncles that have come are going to be talking about us for a long time. <laughs> and the first miracle you see is a miracle not of necessity, but a miracle of abundance that is not even needed. These guys have been partying for three days. And when you see that phrase, three days, when you see the third day moment throughout the Gospel of John, you'll see it in a number of places. He's wanting us to understand that this is a, a picture of the resurrection. This is a resurrection moment. This is a moment of God breaking in with supernatural power. And the Bible says that the first sign that, that Jesus did of turning water into wine in its abundance I don't know what to do, the, do with this in my theology. These guys had already been drinking. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you some more wine. I certainly don't think that Jesus is advocating drunkenness. But what I do know is that the Bible says that this sign revealed the glory or the goodness of God. In other words, God wants you to get ready for a season of outrageous, unnecessary abundance. I'm going to say amen to that point myself. I thought that was very good. Well done, Julian. And you know, sometimes when we see the miraculous, when we see the overflow of the supernatural, when we see God break out, we often try and look for necessity as to why God should do that. And sometimes God's just doing it because he wants to show you that he loves you. Sometimes he just wants to be super abundant to you. And you'll see this throughout the Gospel of John, all these incredible moments, all these incredible um, signs, as it were, allegory, as it were. How many of you know that, that what was lost in the Garden of Eden is restored in the Garden of Gethsemane? John's intentionally wanted us to, to catch a wake-up, to draw the parallels between them. And I, I love it because it, it just bursts forth with Jesus as the main player, as the central figure of the good news. And these guys have just seen Jesus a number of times. This is the third time they're going to see him. And they've had these encounters with Jesus. The Bible tells us if you put the, the narrative of the gospel together, that he meets with them in the upper room and commands him to wake and before he leaves, he breathes on them. I love this part because literally we're seeing what happened in the garden when the father breathed into Adam and life came into him. And what was lost in that moment, Jesus comes post-resurrection and he breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And in that moment, they become new creations. Because no longer does the Holy Spirit simply come upon them, he now dwells within them. It was better than what Adam and Eve had in the garden. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden had God walking with them. But under the new covenant, we have God walking in us. It's a much better covenant in every way and in every shape. 
And we see this beautiful picture here of of them receiving the Holy Spirit. They become new creations. And then he says, now wait. And he disappears. I I love that Jesus walked through walls. And he says, now wait. And Peter is waiting and getting a little bit frustrated. And so what he does is he says to his friends, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm leaving this moment because I am tired of the delay. I'm tired of the wait. I know we're supposed to wait, but you know what? I want to just go fishing. I need some food. I need to just get a little bit practical about my calling and about my sending. Let's just go and do some fishing. Let's do what I know. And I believe the Lord is bringing this church into a season of incredible breakthrough and favor. God is bringing this church into a season where he's about to shift the playing field and the narrative for the sake of kingdom influence. But very often, while we are waiting for the promise, while we are waiting for God to bring the breakthrough, very often we can make our own plans ourselves. And we go back to what we know. The thing is, these were new people. They were a new community of the Spirit. And what Peter wanted to do was go back to that which is familiar. Oh, I wish I had moments to talk about this one. We love familiarity. But the thing about what God is going to do when it's new is that it's new. That's so profound, isn't it? But here's the thing. New means the reference point of the old cannot be the platform for what he's about to do. Because new has not yet been seen. This new community receives the spirit. They've just been commissioned and they go, let's go back to our old ways. Let's go back to our old thinking. Let's go back to what we already know. But for the believer, delay is not meant to produce an emphasis on what we know or going back to um, what we've done before. For the believer, delay should produce a faith-filled response. It should look like something completely different. And I feel like there may be some of you who are living in the place of delay right now. There are promises that God has spoken to you. There are words that he's said he's going to, Bring to pass, and you're sitting in the delay, you're waiting for the promise. What do you do in the delay? What do you do when you're waiting, saying, God, are you going to bring the breakthrough? And I am more convinced than ever that if we're to step into the new that God has for us, while we are waiting, we cannot rely on the arm of our flesh. We cannot rely on that which we know. We have to change the way we think because the thinking that got us where we are is not the thinking that will take us where we need to be we can't simply go back to fishing you see your commission and your encountering of God has to happen in the context of relationships It has to happen in the context of hearing his voice. And there's something about God inviting us that in the delay, that our response in our waiting is not to go back to what we're used to, but to posture ourselves with faithful expectation that he is still the God of the impossible. 
that the same Jesus that walked through the wall and promised us power, that if we waited for that, we would receive the precious person of the Holy Spirit. That same Jesus will show up at the right moment in the right context to work all things out for our good and for his glory. That's a good point. Because our destiny, our purpose, the promises of God have to come out of an overflow of ongoing encounter and ongoing relationship. And I love this moment as they're fishing. <laughs> let, let me just pause here for a moment because I think this is really important. That sometimes we think our hustling, our hard work, our plans will produce the breakthrough that God promised. <laughs> Help me now. I, faith is not having a plan B. We sometimes think of faith in the context of the plausibility of faith. We go, well, if we do this and that, if we do the math, it could work out like this. That's a plausible answer, so let's make decisions according to plausibility. The thing about faith is it requires an ability, it requires a, a security to put our hope in that which is unseen. It, it, in other words, it's not being conceptualized yet. It's not being materialized yet, but faith positions us to lay a hold of that which is unseen as if it's already seen. And I find very often that in the place of delay, what we try and do is hustle our way into a breakthrough. We try and make the plans. I don't know if you noticed that it got a lot of the old patriarchs in the Old Testament into a lot of trouble when they hustled their way to a breakthrough. The process of waiting is not the absence of work, it's not the absence of activity, it is the posture of rest that says, I know God is working on my behalf in the unseen realm to bring about all that he's promised. And I believe God's inviting you to wait in the place of peace, not in the place of hustle, not in the place of let me make a plan just in case. Listen, as I'm talking about this, we've just moved our whole family from South Africa. March last year, since March last year, we've been homeless. Um, not, not, not actually homeless on the street. But we've been in this transition of living in different homes, different contexts, and the temptation is to hustle our way to a breakthrough. But there's great purpose in your delay. And if you can learn to rest in the place of delay, when the breakthrough comes, everything changes. And I love this. They're in this delay, and they have been hustling all night and got nothing. In that boat, working as hard as they can for some kind of breakthrough, some kind of security, some kind of something from God. And Jesus shows up, and it's a beautiful picture here. It says, as the day was dawning, it's a new day moment. And John intentionally loves to use this kind of language because he wants us to understand that whenever you see a new day moment in the Gospel of John, it is a moment of resurrection life breaking out. 
And as resurrection life breaks out, they hear the voice of Jesus. And he says to them, as the day is breaking out, if you know anything about fishing, particularly in this context, I don't know a lot. My grandfather was a fisherman, but apparently they tell me, the history books in Google uh, tells me, <laughs> that the worst time to fish is at sunrise in this particular context in the Middle East. And so they've been working hard, and when they've exhausted themselves of their own effort, as the day is rising, as there's a new game moment, Jesus shows up and says, throw your net to the other side. And they catch such a big breakthrough that their nets should have broken, but the miracle is that it didn't break. I want to encourage you that when you understand delay, it produces an expectation of greater breakthrough rather than God just simply meeting your needs. You can't hustle your way to a breakthrough. And I love this. Jesus' voice is what takes us from toil into breakthrough. Hear the sound of my voice. Throw your neck on the other side. The process of delay needs to produce in us a leaning in to the voice of God. How many of you know that Abraham would have killed the destiny of his whole lineage if he simply tried to hustle his way into a breakthrough by not leaning in to the voice of God. You see, God said to him, son, sister Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham, if he did not lean into God, would have missed God's voice saying, I've provided a ram. In the delay, our aim cannot simply be what we're doing or how we're working. Our aim has to lean in to the voice of God because when he speaks, the breakthrough comes. If Abraham had relied on his last prophetic word, he would have killed Isaac. I'm going to say this again. Sometimes we rely on past prophetic words in a way that removes our ability to lean in to his voice for today. And we miss what God wants for us. Your delay should produce a faithful expectation. Your delay should produce a leaning in to wait for him to speak to you. What I love about the breakthrough and those breakthrough moments, and I find this so often, is that Peter gets his breakthrough, but when he comes in to, onto the shore, the very breakthrough that he's been toiling for is already cooking on the fire for him. That Jesus provided out of nothing the very thing he'd been toiling for all night. If only you could realize the extravagant kindness and goodness that God wants to show you, it will produce a confidence in the moment of delay that he is working on your behalf. So the very thing you need the breakthrough for, he's already provided for you. 
It's good news. I just want to say something in this context that's really important for us to understand. The resurrection changes everything. That Jesus was raised from the dead bodily changes everything for us. It changes the way we see the world. You see, up until that point, everything was separate. Holy was separate from unholy. Sacred was separate from secular. Physical was separate from spiritual. But in Christ, when he is raised from the dead, the Bible says that he had a physical body. People could touch his hand. And in this context, we see him preparing a meal that he eats. It's a physical reality. The resurrection life of God is not meant to cause us to escape into a spiritual um, vortex where we are disconnected from everything around us. No, no. The resurrection joins heaven to earth in the person of Jesus so that you and I now have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in us the same resurrection life. It is meant to change the physical world we live in. Not meant to detach us, not meant to cause us to escape from this world. It is meant to have an impact. People are supposed to touch Jesus when they touch you. They're supposed to encounter the very presence of God when they encounter you. And you know, sometimes in our Christian world, we think that the resurrection simply means that we get to go to heaven. No, no, no. The resurrection means that now heaven becomes accessible in your body through where you go and through how you live. It means that the spiritual is practical. I'm just going to say that one very quickly. The spiritual is practical. If your prophetic promise does not bring change to the world around you physically, there's no point to it. It's really important that we get this because there is in the church today a desire to escape the world and to be caught up in a spiritual realm that divorces us from the reality that Jesus, the whole point of his humanity was to overcome death and his physical body so that he now is the first, the prototype of many sons and daughters who will live with heaven fully touching earth in their physical body. He comes to make us fully human and fully alive through his resurrection. And that means everything changes. There's no longer a a, a separation between holy and unholy because wherever you go, things become holy. There's no longer a separation between sacred uh, sacred and secular because wherever you go, you bring the sacred presence of God. It's why I believe John wants us to understand, in fact, a little bit later in 1 John, he talks about how he, we, we touched him, we beheld him, we, we could encounter him physically because he wants us to realize that the resurrection changes everything and that it's not simply about us getting somewhere, but it's about heaven coming through us wherever we go. And there is in the prophetic movement, unfortunately, a fascination with mystical Christianity that gets us into places of being encountering God in realms of heaven, which is 100% right, 100% appropriate. 
but those encounters are meant to change the world around us. Your prophetic promise, when I spend some time prophesying in a moment, is meant to produce life change around you. I don't know why I said that, but that's for free. The thing I love about this moment with Jesus, this new day moment, this moment where the delay that they've been waiting for, suddenly Jesus shows up in the middle of the delay. Is that even as he shows up in the middle of the delay, the promise is not yet fulfilled. But he shows up in the delay. I want to say to you, friends, while you're waiting, Jesus wants to show up in your delay and bring some miraculous breakthroughs. That even though you might not be fulfilling the ultimate expression of your destiny, even though you might be saying, but I still have not seen what God promised, he wants to show up in the middle of that. The, the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out at Pentecost, which is what Jesus told them to wait for, but he shows up in the midst of them trying to go back to what's old, trying to go back to what they're used to, he shows up and says, you know what, I'm still going to show myself strong to you. And what's beautiful is that Peter, in the delay, the guy who suggests, let's just go back to fishing, let's go back to what we're used to, Jesus shows up in the middle of that, that delay just to restore him. He's so kind. See, I wonder if while you're waiting, you've got disappointed with him. While you're waiting, you have felt like you've derailed your destiny. While you're waiting, you're still living with the shame of past sin or past disappointment. I want to say to you, Jesus wants to show up in your delay. And he wants to say, hey, I'm restoring you. The promise is still yours. He wants to invite you into a place where he removes the disappointment of delay and restores the hope of promise fulfilled. Will you invite him into that space? Will you posture yourself in faith and expectation rather than hustle and disappointment because he wants to encounter you in the midst of delay. He wants to show up in the midst of you waiting and working jolly hard and still you catch nothing. But when he shows up, you get more than you can handle. I believe that God wants to invite us. You know, this bit of scripture seems to be tacked on to John's gospel. It's kind of like John's last um, miracle that he wants to show that Jesus is Lord over all. And, and I love it because it's almost like a P.S. I love you bit in a letter. You, you know those kinds of, you get a little P.S. postscript. I just want to say something more. This, this is that right here. And I love it because the whole point of this encounter and this chapter is twofold. One, to restore Peter. And two, for John to tell everyone that he's the beloved. 
I love it. I want to suggest to you that this chapter between Acts 1 and John chapter 21 is there because God wants to invite you into restoration in the midst of delay while you're waiting for your promise and to invite you to come and be the one who is his beloved. I love it. In chapter 20, of, verse, of chapter 21 of John, says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And then he says, this is the one who used to recline on his chest at the table. Would you come and recline on the one that loves you? Because he wants to show up in the delay and do the miraculous. He wants to fill you with resurrection life and he wants to give you a new day moment. I feel like there's some delayed promises for this church. There's some spaces where you've been waiting for God to do amazing things and it hasn't happened the way you expected, maybe. And you're saying, but God, you promised. You told me to wait and I'm waiting for the promise, but it doesn't look like it's coming. Let me go fishing. Let me go do what I'm used to doing. New people need to think in a new way. But the thing is, even in your delay, God's going to show up. And I believe tonight He's going to show up for many of you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Frequency. In order to keep this teaching and our other resources free, we rely on donations from people like you. If you feel led to give, head over to our website, frequency.org, and click the Give button. You can find our other resources like blogs and videos on our website or sign up for our mailing list where you'll receive exclusive content from us.